It's time for truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I am joined in the studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, welcome everyone once again to another podcast episode. Uh, what did Rush used to say? Excursion into broadcast excellence. Uh, I'd like to think that that is what is happening here as well. So uh, we want to thank you for making us once again part of your day, whenever that may be and wherever you may be. Some of you are on the job. Some of you are in the car. Some of you are at home uh, looking forward to uh, opportunities to uh, continue to minister and to um, share this content with you as we continue to think about uh, life, can think, can think about the way in which we uh, view economics from a biblical perspective. Before we get into our topic for today, Jim, how are you? Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Boise or Treasure Valley area. Like I said, we're having an Indian summer. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I cannot wait for pies. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some apple pie. Right, right. Looking forward to all that, all that type of stuff. I think the episode is going to be, so uh, I think by the time this episode uh, drops, this is going to be after Thanksgiving, which means it's leftover season. Leftover season, that, which is just as good. Which, which is pie, uh, pie multiplied and all the other uh, uh, good leftovers. Yeah, I'm not a big turkey guy on the day. I'll eat it and I like dark meat, but the day after on the roll with some mayonnaise and crushed pepper... Get me going. Oh man! So, so all right. I'm gonna share my. Um, I'm gonna share my favorite leftover. It's making a turkey sandwich. The dark meat is preferable, but yeah. I, you can have a, either of the the colors. Yeah. Uh, but then you, what you do, Jim, is you put the um, uh, you put the dressing uh, on the sandwich. Got it. That's heated up. Yeah, that's warm. Yeah, heated turkey's up. cold. Ah. The 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 stuffing or the dressing is is hot. Yeah. Then you um, then you heat up the gravy and you got to put the gravy on the sandwich yep. with salt and pepper, and man oh man, that's that's my probably one of the favorite outcomes from <laughs> Thanksgiving uh, meal that uh, that I really like. That's so, the way to eat white turkey is you cover it up. <laughs> you co- cover it with the dressing and gravy. Yeah, that works. Well, today we have an interesting topic for us uh, today to cover. Our subject is biblical entrepreneurship. Is there such a thing? Isn't that amazing? You never hear this. No. So, uh, but and I would guess that most people would recognize the idea of entrepreneurship as a thing, of course, but the, to attach the idea of biblical to it seems maybe a bit curious. So, hopefully, we can help with that. It means the Bible talks to it. Exactly. Imagine that. Exactly. Well, first things first, let's define some terms and why we would want to talk about something like this. Well, first, an entrepreneur is a person who organizes, operates, and assumes the risk for a business venture. Another part of that idea is one who takes the initiative to create a product or to establish a business for profit, generally who undertakes on his own account an enterprise in which others are employed and risks are taken. I thought those were just helpful just to frame up the conversation and to understand what it means to be an entrepreneur. It's really good. I, I think about we, we're, we're called to take dominion, Danny. And so 
God has given us these tools. He's given us these things that we have in our environment. And today we have them in the environment that we're in today. And it's how do you organize and how do you make productive those things that we have? And there are, there truly are people that are gifted at entrepreneurship. I'm not one of them, actually. I'm much better at taking something that somebody has already ideated and executing that through an operational plan. And so even though I personally have been blessed through some small businesses, it's never been my idea that that saw the vision of the way that this thing comes together. And, you know, we talk about that with the soap business. We talk about taking lye, which is available as ashes of wood, fat, which is available from animals and water and making something better. It's, it's actually a new product. And like, I never would have been the person that thought of that. Does that make sense? Like, and, and there are people that are gifted at that. You're not the inventor, but you like to take the things that are, that, that have been created, and the, big, the big ideas yeah. and to, and to bring about the execution of that Wh- business. Which is dominion in a new yep. way. Yep. So. Yeah. And there's really a couple of key ideas really in these definitions. Uh, the first is that an entrepreneur is a person who takes an idea and steps out in faith to take that idea to the market in the form of a business. A business is fundamentally an idea. It may be a good idea. It might even be a bad idea. But it is an idea about a product or service that you believe will be successful because it meets or a need or a desire of a lot of people. But furthermore, a business is an idea connected to work. You believe that if you apply knowledge, if you apply labor, then you will be successful in turning your idea into a financial profit that provides enough or very well even for your family. The second idea of those definitions that we looked at is the concept of taking risk. Why isn't everyone an entrepreneur? Well, they either aren't strong in the idea department or they aren't strong in the work department or they are unwilling to take risks. Those really are the three areas of what it means to be an entrepreneur. You have to have ideas, you have to be able to be willing to work hard, and you got to be willing to take a risk. It is the entrepreneur who puts his ideas and even himself at risk. Because a business is an idea, you don't know with certainty that it is going to work. And I looked up some statistics. I don't think these are too foreign to a lot of people. According to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, 18% of small businesses fail within the first year. So it's actually, that's a pretty reasonable risk to start with. Yeah, not bad. I've got a year, you know, 82% of uh, businesses can survive a year. But that's really, you know, where the really good statistics kind of stop. 50% of businesses fail in the first five years. And 65% fail in the first 10 years. That's a lot of opportunity for failure. That's half to over over half. Don't make it in the first five years. And so what does that mean? It, It means that starting a business is not a guarantee. It is a willingness, though, to take a risk. But if you are able to be successful, the entrepreneur often earns considerable wealth. And this is where the fools of society get envious of those who are successful in business. And so what do they do? They, they like, what's the, the drumbeat of the left? The rich need to pay their fair share, right? As if they became rich unfairly. But listen, who is it that had the idea? Who is it that put in a ton of work? Who is it that took all the risk? 
it is the business owner. And and the the commies really want to make it all about the workers who they've employed, which is wonderful. It's necessary. Workers are needed and so forth. But you've got to really respect and honor and value the one who had the idea, put in also their own hard work, as well as then took a lot of that risk to themselves. It's the business owner. And when the business is successful, the risk taker finds reward. It finds the word, the dirty word, profit. I loved, I always like to mention Rush, right? Um, uh, what would you say on the, his commercial breaks? We're going to take an obscene profit timeout, right? Where advertisers uh, would pay Rush and his company and also the radio stations to advertise their business. And so Rush would be taking, would be making a profit from those advertisers. But when the business is successful, that risk taker then gets the reward. They get profit, and that's the way it should be. And clearly, the risk taker often doesn't make it, and he closes down. Uh, these businesses don't all succeed, and they don't all have a long shelf life. They they are what sometimes we refer to as a, a flash in the pan. It might be good, but there's circumstances. Um, maybe they maybe they're uh, they, they didn't have a gym to help with the idea. They're great with the idea. So look, some people. They want to try to have businesses on the sole basis of an idea, but not very, they're not very good on the execution and the building of that business, right? It's interesting as I think about that statistic. I can't get my mind off. 50% fail in the first five years, Danny. That's actually lower than I thought, to be honest with you. Um, because in a world where people kind of have all these different options and, and things that they can do, quitting becomes the normal, mm. if that makes any sense. It's the idea of making and keeping commitments that's hard. It's the biblical that your yes be yes and your no be no that becomes hard. And and I said this to the to the youth in this soap business. There's a point where you're going to get sick of making soap. And you guys, you saw me text yesterday, like I am knee deep in soap, right? And so there, there's a point where you get sick of it and it just becomes work, right? But I think that Christians, and, and I want to encourage Christians to be entrepreneurial because that statistic should be much lower for people that want to see it through if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. There can be bad ideas, but I think wisdom in, in the counsel of many is wise. If you're a Christian, you should be seeking wisdom from other men or other people as you're going through this. So I, I highly encourage entrepreneurship and, and working for yourself because it removes uh, a lot of the variables, a lot of the, a lot of the issues that are associated with the world that we live in right now. And we'll bring that topic back up a little bit later on as well, because um, we're, we're going to get into some of the demoralizing effects uh, on a society um, wherein uh, profit is not uh, some uh, it, when when profit is not something that is a um, a likely outcome, then entrepreneurship dies. We'll get into that in yeah, just a yeah. minute. So we'll, we'll, we need to talk about why maybe Christians even should still be entrepreneurial in environments where uh, entrepreneurship is being discouraged right. by the government. So before we get into, again, some biblical principles and examples of entrepreneurship, we need to talk about the economic environment in which businesses are developed. First off, uh, what is socialism? Socialism, do you have a good definition off the top of your head, so It's uh, the path to communism. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it's the government of communism, for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, socialism is the legal theft of money and property by the government wherein resources are taken from producers and entrepreneurs and redistributed to others. Right. So they take from businesses and entrepreneurs, producers, and they redistribute the profits to others. And, and I would immediately point to our tax code being socialism. 
because you tax a percent higher for somebody that makes more, which is exactly what you're describing, Danny. It punishing is, it is productivity and good ideas. Exactly. It's it's punishing. It's redistribution. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and and when you're redis, redis, redistributing, you are punishing the person who actually took the risk, had the idea, and worked hard. Right. And you're giving it to people who didn't. Right. So it takes from those who have and gives to those who have not under the guise of fairness and equality. And the reason why socialism leads to poverty is because it squashes the incentive to have ideas and to take those ideas to market. Right. Why, why would I work so hard and take all the risk of starting a business if someone else comes in who didn't work for it and who didn't take the risk and they can, make, they can take my profits and make me poorer and turn around and give it to, to people who either don't work or who don't put anything at risk. Um, reminds me, we again finished off um, the Bible study recently uh, and our study of uh, the Truth Project. Um, and this, this issue of, of taking, from, taking from people, um, <laughs> God warns Israel about the government that they were asking for and asking for a king. And God says, hey, I need to warn you, he's going to tax you like up to like 10%. And 10% was like... A big number. That's horrible. <laughs> I can't believe the government would actually... No, like 10%? It was 10% and he's going to take your daughters. Like that. that's the level that 10% was. Yeah. And, ten, and send your young men to war. <laughs> right. right. That too. Like, <laughs> But the idea of 10% tax rate Sign me up today. We, we would be... Where's the program for right? that? And so we, we had some conversation about that uh, the yeah. other day. Why would the tax rate be so high in our country? Well, it's because we are living in, uh, in unadmitted socialism. What's interesting is I've thought about that, Danny, because I've, I've seen a lot of... I've been in high tech, which has this amazingly dramatic fast. If you're going to be successful, it happens early and it happens big, right? So um, I've seen some incredibly successful people that I've known and the dynamic of like Amazon, take Amazon. Amazon started like has nothing like Jeff Bezos started that business as an entrepreneur. It, it was his business. And then it grew into this monster, this huge multi-billion dollar corporation. Why would they vote for liberal Democrats? Does that make sense? Like you are an entrepreneur at spirit. Why would you vote? The reality is, is over time they change. They actually become conservative in their in their values, and they they don't want to continue to take these risks. They want to protect what they have. And what's the best way to protect a business against new businesses? Shut down entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting dynamic that you can see the companies shift through that, where all of a sudden you go, you know what? They're now they're not offensive. They're not growing. They're on the defensive and and they become woke and they become part of the system and, and then, then they, they go become and, vulnerable and then they go away eventually right yep so you know i think one of the most most recent examples of this is you remember the juggernaut that netflix was oh yeah. i mean was there anything that was that could possibly compete with netflix blockbuster before that and blockbuster before that compact computer and, like. and it, that's why you know george gilder has i think it's a book uh life after google could you imagine like Google basically being a dinosaur or being something that doesn't exist anymore or something like and that. And they already are. 
And, and they just don't know it. Well, and that's, that's the amazing, and that's thing. part of the that's the interesting thing, right? Like Amazon, man. What is there anything? Can anything replace Amazon? And the point is, yep, yep, it absolutely can, yep. and 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 likely will. Yep. Um, and there can be other factors. That's why I encourage right? entrepreneurship. I encourage people to use the mind that God gave them for the purpose of looking for productivity. Well, and I want you to answer some of those questions why here in just a minute. But yep. here's the issue of socialism. Socialism is also highly regulatory. Meaning that not only does the government steal your profits at the back end, but at the front end, they put up all of these obstacles. And in the form of regulations, permits, fees. I mean, how annoying are all of these hoops and red tape that you have to go through in order to start a business? And that may, it just makes starting a business very difficult up front. And so the more the government squeezes, the less incentive to be an entrepreneur in the first place. We signed the lease for the donut shop on like September 1st. And here we are. We still haven't submitted for permits. It's just, it's brutal how long it takes. And ultimately, what do you need to do is you need to put a fryer in a building and fry donuts. Like literally, if, if we wow, didn't have right. all this red tape, we could be in there in weeks, not... It, it's going to be after the first of the year. Like, wow, yeah, I know that's wild. Red tape, and without but without businesses being developed, ideas that meet the needs and desires of the people are not brought to market. And what do you have? It's called poverty, right? That people, if we all you, know, you hear the this is beyond the memes, by the, by the way, guys. Right? The memes really just kind of highlight the big picture idea of socialism not working anywhere. But how about we try it here? Right. Uh, well, the the reason why socialism doesn't work is because of its very nature. It is built on theft, and it is so highly regulatory that it squashes incentive, and it makes it so difficult for people to start a business and to profit from a business. And so what happens? We don't start businesses, or the businesses that exist end up closing or uh, you know, running through so many difficulties that what, ha- what, what, if, what happens if you don't have businesses starting? You have poverty, right? And that's where people go hungry. That's where uh, that's where all kinds of problems happen. And then what really ends up happening is is that the government has to prop everything up, has to own everything, and employ everyone uh, in order to run some measure of system, which still is going to lead to poverty because the government isn't made for running businesses. See, that sounds crazy, Danny, but that's exactly my point on being an entrepreneur and doing this is productivity defends against socialism and communism it, it so the more productive we are the more they can tax and i know that 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 seems fatalistic but the reality is is it it keeps them at bay so you're saying that you avoid a government yes. takeover when if they can if they can just steal um some correct right correct and they and if they if they stay fat then then in some measure they stay away correct okay that's interesting yep um, but yet overall, and I think there's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll expand on that in just a minute, but socialism generally though is a morale killer. And that's going to go back to our previous conversation from last week about work as worship, but socialism, um, put this on your t-shirt, Jim. Socialism is a depressant. Oh yeah. yeah. It is a depressant. Talk about, 100%. talk about creating depressed people. Uh, in, an, in a depressed environment, that's what socialism is. Because if look, if you if you have your stuff, you know that your stuff is going to be stolen by the government. 
what type of of outlook for the future do you have? Talk about, um, I was in a meeting with some pastors here earlier this morning, and one of the things, the, the major subject of conversation is the reality of interacting with people who are com- uh, committing or thinking of committing suicide. Yeah, this 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 mental health, as, as we talk about it in society, Danny, if you want to fix mental health, give people jobs that are productive. Like, I, And I always pick on the blue cart Walmart people, and I'm going to again, because if you can learn your job in 20 minutes, you're probably not producing. You're probably just gathering. And so there, there's, n- there's no gain in that. There's no... Those people are walking zombies. They, they have no purpose in life. They're, mm. they're 20 year old young men that should be producing with their hands. Like they should be working and, and getting God's design and value out of dominion taking. And, and what they're doing is they're walking through Walmart, picking up stuff for other people. And that is mentally, as you said, it's mentally demoralizing, depressing, depressing and demoralizing. Yeah. And it leads to thoughts of suicide. It leads to what's my purpose. Yep. And medicating everything, you know, drowning all your sorrows. So if you wanna, if you wanna help the mental health society of our of our society, kill socialism. Open a business. Yeah. Even better, open a business. Become productive. Use what God has given us, and it's all around us. Yeah. And unto the Lord. Right. Right. Knowing that, knowing that He is the one that is going to bless or not. We'll and I know that. we're going to get into Proverbs thirty-one. This applies to everybody in the house. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful picture. Proverbs thirty-one is loaded with entrepreneurship. Exactly. Loaded with hard work. Exactly. And this element, though, of of what socialism does, this is. I think this is where I wanted to take you on this. Is this um, this idea of how do we resist the spirit of the age? Because you're talking about, hey, f- don't worry about socialism as much as worry about what God has created you to do and to be. Yeah, 100%. Is that, is that fair? And even more of that, like we, we do go through times of trials and we go through, you know, even tribulations and things like that as, as we live in this world. So there are times of doubt and stuff, but I love my bride for this because she says when the going gets tough, it's time to get tougher. It's, it's so, you know, when it, when you don't have, when you don't have things to give, you give more. You give more as a percent. And and you fundamentally, you put God as a higher priority in your giving mm. when you can't, because it's not the amount that you give. We see this with the widow at the, at the you know, she puts her last two mites in. And so it's the idea of your attitude and your your commitment to God. Perspective, and your priorities. Exactly. So it's it's this idea of putting God first. And that's why I've talked about in this environment that I see post-COVID, with all of the mental health issues, with all of the high interest rates, with all of the barriers to starting a small business, this is the best time to start one for God. Hmm. And that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm investing now instead of instead of taking the stuff that I have in my storage barn and, and waiting for a better time. Hmm. And I think I think you bring up, and you've been encouraging on this too, the, this idea that um, as the rest of the world collapses, as the rest of the ungodly who are being driven to uh, thoughts of suicide and just ending it all, um, who's going to be there to, in essence, keep things going or pick up the pieces? Is it not going to be the Christians who have a strong sense of a work ethic, the Protestant work ethic, where wherein God's people recovered an idea, the, the idea of of the value of the ordinary man, the ordinary woman working, running a business, the the dignity of the cobbler, right? And the farmer and the the baker 
and and all those things to where it's not we take for granted this type of equality that we have in our society as opposed to the old um, hierarchical um, caste systems or you know the the your your classic chick flicks uh, of your <laughs> of your uh, British British uh, aristocrats and then your uh, your your low class you know poorly bred uh, uh, workers and and servants and and the reality that that those, there was such a separation why do we have such equality among different people today it's because of the protestant reformation and the dignity and the value of ordinary work and the idea of i can honor and glorify god as a business person uh, i don't have to be well-bred aristocrat right and and in positions of power in a mansion and you can you can you can be a missionary and you can evangelize mm-hmm. so so and, and you know this danny i don't talk a lot about the men that I disciple or men that I meet with that are non-believers, but you heard it a couple of weeks ago by doing this and living this way that I am, I have men come to me that just want to meet and talk about why I do what I do. And that's an opportunity to share the gospel. It, it truly is through your work, through the things that you're doing for God. You're speaking. I had, I had our broker at the business for the, the donut business call me and just want to meet. Like it was just a coffee and, you know, he happened to be from Sudan. So he happened to be from a a country where his ability to communicate wasn't really effective during what he was doing for us. And I called him out on it and he's like, no one's ever done that. And so he just wanted to meet and talk. And that's, so we will be different. Let God do it. Your job is to actually be an entrepreneur, to take what God has done, given us and to take dominion over it and do it for God. So. No, that's good. Well, let's, let's continue here with uh, where this where the Bible comes in to uh, kind of counteract and understand how it is we are to live and what God created us for. The Bible absolutely promotes an economic system of freedom and encourages entrepreneurship. Right, it, it, things are bad when your uh, when your government is taking ten percent from you, because in God's economy, uh, that shouldn't have to happen. The Bible is against socialism. Socialism is evil. And as I've said many times, and just did, it is a system that is rooted and grounded in envy and theft. And to start with, the foundation of biblical economics is found in Genesis one twenty-eight. We, I mean, Genesis, of course. I mean, in, in our biblical anthropology series, I mean, over, and even in our parenting series, over and over and over again, uh, we're, we're in Genesis, and we're going back to the original ordered design. The mandate is: be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. And in socialism, it is a system of theft, which is a depressant. Depressant. There is no incentive to be fruitful, even with having children in large families, right? It, it depresses the entirety of the culture. If you are not bullish on the future, if you are not hopeful that you can provide for your family, even the desire to have children wanes. But subduing and ruling over the earth is a call then to entrepreneurship. It is to have a positive outlook in the future, and it is to call, it is the call to look at the world around you and to think and to have ideas about how to make something better, uh, how to worship God with the world and the work that He has surrounded you with. Now, how to accomplish things that need to be done, and then to go and try it. And so, it's a call not only to work but to be inventive, to be strategic, and to be creative. And God has given us a world of resources, as He is. I would. I would put this, um, describe God in this way. He is the great entrepreneur. 
And he expects those whom he has put in charge of his business, those who work for him, to manage well and to turn a profit with it. But when socialism, which is godless, gets involved, it stunts the growth of human ingenuity and dominion taking, and it takes God's business and drives it into the ground. In scripture, though, we see the, the first entrepreneurs. Who would you say, Jim, are the first entrepreneurs? Uh, don't count Adam. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go to Adam, but I, well, I mean, the Tower of Babel, they're actually, that, that's the first use of technology. They're... First use of technology. I'm going to go entrepreneurial Cain and Abel. Yeah, Cain and Abel, right? right? Uh, so the first they were working the field, the, right? the, the, the first sons, right? right? Cain looked around and he determined, I'm going to start an agricultural business. He became a farmer and learned how to produce food. Abel, of course, took another route and he went into the business of animal husbandry. He became a keeper of flocks. And I found this to be interesting. Abel was especially connected to the business of religion. Hmm. Abel was the guy who provided the animals for sacrifice. Hmm. Because if you think about it, of course, in the keeper of flocks, you get the, pro the products of that. So you get, he, he recalls that the Lord made for his parents uh, clothes of animal skin. So animals continued to die, but a lot of, of uh, it, it, not everything was connected to the business of religion, but it certainly included that. You certainly had animal byproducts and so forth. But um, some of that was not, didn't have to come with the, if it was wool, for instance, if it was sheep, you could develop, you know, clothing and so forth, or animal skins would have to come from the life of the animal. But at this time, animals were friends. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to channel is it Dory from Finding Nemo? Fish are friends, not food. Uh, animals at the time were friends, not food. Because eating meat was introduced in Genesis 9 after the flood. My point is that there was a need for animals, and Abel determined to start a business that filled that need in the market. The small market to start off with at the time, but you start somewhere and there was, and then of course from there there's always been a market for animals. Yeah, it's really interesting and from that he worshiped with what he worked. So so was it was it uh, an offering from Abel to God that that formed the offering or was it a requirement for God? It, it it's silent on that, but the reality is 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 you're right, that became part of it's so, the first worship. So my argument, my argument yeah. though is that actually uh, God established a pattern of worship in the killing of the animal, the yeah. death sacrifice. It, the animal died and God made clothes to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. So he established animal sacrifice as the acceptable worship that was pleasing to him. My argument is that, yes, Cain should have been able to worship God through his work in uh, agriculture, but actually... I argue that Cain couldn't bring. He brought his. He brought what he what he wanted to bring. His own stuff. Yeah, I, and he should have had. A, he should have gotten. Um, he should have gone to his brother and said, "Hey, bro, uh, it's time to worship. I need a. I need a lamb. You have one for me. I'll trade you some food. I'll trade you some vegetables for your maybe. lamb." Or his offering wasn't the issue. It was his attitude. But but I know what you're saying. It, it could be either. But you're right. Keep going, or else I'll get off. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stand on my interpretation, but yes, I, I, I believe that it's yeah, not. Yeah. Was it was his attitude, which is right. demonstrated in his offering. offering. Right. Uh, I, I, I argue that his offering would have been accepted if he in had the right, um, if he had brought the right thing, because his attitude and his would and have his was would have led him to that. So I'm arguing that Abel used. Uh, animals connected to the the need for perpetual worship in animal sacrifice, yeah. uh, but as well as and all, his offering other, was above and beyond. 
you know, including the fat, right? I yeah, mean, he was so, a man of faith. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he loved the Lord uh, right. is, is, the, is the clear thing that for sure. So uh, interestingly, I think this issue of, uh, of how, we, um, how we view our business and our work is, is really important. And those, I think those are the first um, entrepreneurs uh, excuse me, entrepreneurs that we see in the Bible are those are those guys. Yep. Um, the next um, the next part of that is um, uh, that we want to touch on, and Jim's already mentioned, and that's Proverbs thirty one, and it describes the excellent wife mm. who is industrious. Uh, in verse thirteen, it says she looks for wool and flax. So let me translate that for you. It means she had an idea, right? Right. She had an idea, right? Uh, there was a need. There was interest. And she looked for the materials to develop her idea. And I'll, I'll go back to verse 11 where it says, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. So he is actually investing into his wife's entrepreneurship mm-hmm. at no risk because she's a trustworthy woman. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's actually really good. And uh, and two, the the benefit of family businesses oh, huge. Uh, are, are just massive. Huge. Um, it's, if the more you can do together as a family... And our family can speak to that. That's how we survived as a family for a while. We started a family lawn mowing business where it was my dad and my three brothers. So uh, well, actually, I guess it was mainly just two brothers for most of that. But um, there was a, a, just a need and an interest that she saw. And then she went to develop that idea. And then she works with her hands in delight. Uh, entrepreneurship is hard work, but it is good work. In verse 16, it says that she has another idea. She considers a field and she buys it. Keep right? going. From her earnings, that's the language of profit. That's the anti-socialist free market economy at work. She plants a, then a vineyard. See, I think the wool and the flack led to the ability to buy the field, led to, it, it's this growth mm-hmm. pattern that we see in her, right? Yep. And by the way, you know, verse 15, she doesn't skip her other duties either. She doesn't, she doesn't reprioritize the business because it's being successful and hire a maid to come in and do the house. She's 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 not skipping her priorities. She's putting God first, then she's serving For, through the home. Her family through the home. Yep. Through the home. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, what is she doing? She's thinking about ways to grow her family's resources. Right. She has ideas, she understands how the economy works, so she's smart, she's educated, she works hard, she takes risks, and then from her profits, she even tries something new. She then she plants. She decides that, you know, I think I'd like to make some wine, so she plants a vineyard. Uh, verse nineteen it says that she makes clothes for her family and likely also to sell. And in verse twenty she extends her hand to the poor. What a wonderful picture of the way which God's economy works. Exactly. Right? Um, so the, and, and that was listen. That was her idea. Right. Right. This is a virtuous woman. She considers the field and buys it. Not. Hey, honey, can I buy the field? Of course she's working with her husband, but the idea is that she is fully within her ability and design to do those things. It's it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, the beauty of trust, the beauty of working together totally. on stuff. And and then also this issue of um, extending her hand to the poor. Oh. Uh, was that a government program? No. No, that was her idea. Right. Right? The values so of her ideas. Yeah. Her hard work turned into profit and then she considers those who are poor. She's not forced to because she's virtuous, right? She's not stolen from um, in the ideal situation and, and, and in God's economy. 
Instead, she's generous and thoughtful and compassionate towards others. And giving to the poor is profitable. That's right. So, And I, I want to balance this also a bit because she, um, we don't see her doing all of this and necessarily homeschooling at the same time. Now, yes and no. Uh, listen, I, I think it is, it is good to be as creative and industrious as you can be. But if you are educating your children at home, there are several ways to look at that also. Because first, if you are entrepreneurial, you should be teaching your kids by involving them in the work that you do. Right. So I, there should be a measure of it's a family in, uh, endeavor. Also, you, you are industrious and entrepreneurial because what did you do? You started a school. Right. You so, started a school. It's right. okay, right? You don't have to be, your school isn't making you money, but you're investing in future arrows that you are launching out to go and do great things. And, and that's the beauty of motherhood. And what are you teaching them? Like right. we, we think of it as the five classroom. It's social, social studies and math and history or what, what, yeah. it's more than that. Like you, to me, entrepreneurship, teaching them as you're making a business is the purpose of dominion taking. Like that is, that's a better design homeschool curriculum than following the public school outline yeah. and coming up with a syllabus. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, making sure that our kids get prom just like the other kids did. Right, right. But the, the, right. the idea here is that not all entrepreneurial enterprises are only about making money for right. your own profit. So you can be an entrepreneur. This is one of the things that I think a lot of women see uh, are short-sighted about. And that is, um, you know, look, if I, you know, stay at home, um, I'll be bored. Well, if you're bored, that's a you problem. Right. Because you can be very creative and entrepreneurial for the sake, if you don't need the money, you, you can be entrepreneurial for the sake of charity, for the sake of discipleship. Um, I, I, you know, what, what you're talking about, Jim, you don't need the money of a soap business. Right. But what you're doing is you're starting soap business in order to disciple people. And right. look, uh, our listeners, I want you to get a, a picture and a vision for this. Even if you don't have children in your home anymore, or maybe uh, you don't need the money because God has blessed your husband's work or your or your past work or whatever that looks like for you, uh, there are things for you to volunteer for. There are things for you to be creative about wherein you can help somebody else start a business or pass on your knowledge and experience to other people to where your entrepreneurial efforts are still applied to uh, the church and to God's people. So in this idea of educating your children, I know we have a lot of homeschool families in our church. I, I, I don't want to give everybody a, a view that if you're a, a mom or a wife at home and you don't have some side gig where you're you know bringing in good money, uh, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. It can include some of those things, but um, again, there's other things that, uh, that, that you need to recognize are also entrepreneurial. So um, another example uh, Jim thought of in the New Testament was Acts chapter 16. Here you have, a, once again, interestingly, another female entrepreneur in the person of Lydia. And you can hardly say Lydia's name without saying what? <laughs> Lydia, a seller of purple linen. That's all she's known for. There's only three verses that talk about Lydia. Well, that's one thing she's known for in terms of uh, her vocational right. element or in terms of uh, her entrepreneurialship. She is known for housing the church in her home. Which means she owns a home. Big enough to hold a lot of people. <laughs> so she had, uh, right. we, I, I've heard this before, that there was a measure of success. Right. Uh, we don't know if she's married. We don't know that. Uh, but we also have uh, just the indication that uh, she has a measure of success in her business because it's, right. it becomes a place of hospitality yep. uh, for, the, for the local church. She had a, a niche market of specialty fabric, a really good business, 
And look, a lot of really good businesses are built on the basis of scarcity. There is a need or a desire that is largely going unmet. But I have the idea that if I can meet that need or desire, then those people are served and I can profit. So I would venture to say that there probably weren't a lot of other people, perhaps even no other people in that area, I forget the the location, who were selling purple linen. Like well, shows. it shows up in Revelation. One of the churches is from there. It's the Jezebel, right? So it's actually known for women that aren't godly. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah. And and so she turns a profit, she's meeting a need and and perhaps this is the if you if you were looking for linen and wanted to include purple in the garments that you were making or whatever, Lydia's your gal, yep. right? She's the one you'd be going to in that area. And so what we see at her conversion is then her willingness to use her resources for the good of the church. And so once again, just going back to some of our previous discussions, as we are working for the Lord, as we are seeking to lay up treasures in heaven, as we value life, uh, ordinary life and ordinary work in the body, we then see that God provides that for us as then an opportunity to serve him even more and to be a, a resource and to be a blessing to the church and to God's people. Another key passage for wannabe entrepreneurs is a really important one. It's James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet today, oh, excuse me, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. And so this is a wonderful passage for wannabe entrepreneurs. So Christian, you have an idea for a business. This passage is not about not having a business or not being entrepreneurial. That's great that you have an idea for a business. But beware of your pride of your greed, of your love of money, of your arrogance, wherein you forget God. To think that you have the ability to make this business work because it's all dependent upon you, your smarts, your talent, your work, um, your calculations, your planning, all that type of stuff. The re- starting a business and turning a profit is ultimately not up to you. Your success or failure is from the Lord. Right. Your success only will come if the Lord wills, and he may not will. He may have his purposes to bless you or to discipline you. He may have the purpose to bless your business or to teach you to be dependent upon him and to lead you in a different direction through its failure. So listen, the pattern of God's world and order is that when we walk in obedience, seeking to honor the Lord with our priorities in order, with God and his law first in our heart, he delights to bless us. He does have his system of this world ordinarily um, uh, structured in such a way that that uh, uh, he desires and delights to bless us. We may live in a time when uh, he has allowed also evil leaders and evil rulers that we deserve to judge us, and life can be more difficult um, to discipline us, but our aim is to honor the Lord in whatever we have, and we trust him and we, and we uh, acknowledge that it is his providence and his sovereignty that is our focus, 
And that's what we need to be focused on. Yeah, and I think that's the key, Danny, is the trust in him. It's it's we can't bury it. We're, we've we've studied that before. We can't bury it and hide what God has given us and give it back to him as to what it was. Hmm. That's not good enough. We have to work. That's clearly the dominion mandate. And this idea of entrepreneurship is part of work. And so, you know, don't, but when it is successful, you have to give him all the credit. And when it's not successful, you still have to give him all the credit because he is teaching you something through that. And I know that doesn't seem to make sense, but the reality is, is we are called to work. He chooses what to do with it. He'll prosper it or he'll teach us through it. So what you're saying, Jim, is you're encouraging entrepreneurship today. I continue to, co- right? continue to encourage that. So don't take the bait. I, we know that, listen, it can be very tempting to get very discouraged, to be, become very disgruntled, depressed, and demoralized living in this world as you listen to the news, as we uh, deal with our uh, uh, current resident in the White House and all the different things that are going on that we would decry, and we look at the tax rate and all the fees and all this other stuff. Uh, don't take the bait of discouragement, but instead recognize this is the opportunity that you have to figure out what it is that you can do, uh, figure out how to get around it, figure out how to make the most of it, and to be creative. Look, you need new ideas to deal with the problems that we have because entrepreneurship is the recognition of a problem, but I have an idea of a solution. And we need to be the Christians um, who are working for God um, need to be idea people for the sake of honoring and glorifying him. And it's astonishing. So come ask me about the soap business and, and the children or the kids, the way that they're doing this. Like I never, I would never expect what I've seen in the past six weeks, right? We've got kids that are outstanding at marketing. They're taking these white box photos of the products and it's, it's really cool. We've got other kids that are doing computer-aided design, coming up with ideas that, what does it have to do with soap, Jim? Well, come ask me and you'll see. And we've got other kids designing web pages, And so truly learning things that are not necessarily soap related. They're, they're, they're seeing things that they can take dominion of in building a business in their own domain. They might not like making soap, but they might discover, I really like advertising and marketing. Right. Or I really like computers. Right. Right. There's lots of different elements. Exactly. That's the idea is seeing seeing them come together. Well, we hope this has been encouraging for you, but that's all the time that we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth.